Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of The Pactum. This is Pat Avendroth. We have episode 30 today, and it's going to be on teaching and preaching with a special guest. All right. But before we get to our special guest, our super secret special guest, yeah. uh, Mike, I think you have to tell us about our super secret special conference we have coming up, right? Yes, if you remember a couple episodes ago, we talked about a very special announcement for our very special, secretive, awesome, one-time-only conference uh, there's a conference happening in October at Omaha Bible Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and the conference is going to be on Friday, October 8th, and Saturday, October 9th, so it's Friday evening, and then Saturday morning, October 8th, and October 9th. What's it called? It's called Our Triune God. Oh, we're going to talk about covenant of redemption yes. and Trinitarianism and yes. good things like that. Yeah, and we have three guest speakers coming in for the conference. We have J.B. Fesco coming in, we have Matthew Barrett, and we have Mike Abendroth. So those Oh, that's three... my brother. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So if you would like to join us for that conference, we'd love to have you join us. You can go to omahabiblechurch.org, and you should be able to find a link there on the homepage to get signed up and registered. There's no cost, uh, so you can get signed up and registered. Uh, I saw the budget line item, and I think there is a cost. Oh, there's a cost to us, <laughs> yes. but there's not a cost to attend, right. so kind yeah. of how salvation works. Yes, so it's free. But go to the website and register. That way we can know you're going to be coming and joining us. Uh, There are some kids' classes available as well on Saturday only. So if you have your kids and you want to bring them, you can do that. Um, But that's only for Saturday. They're welcome to join us on Friday night. But Saturday we'd have some classes for them. So go and get signed up. OmahaBibleChurch.org, October 8th and 9th. Our Triune God. Hope you can join us. Super. Well, our guest today is the author of numerous books, including Evangelical White Lies, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Preachers, The Sovereignty and Supremacy of King Jesus. He's the host of No Compromise Radio, probably on its three millionth episode by now, (laughs) because it's been going strong for a long time. He's the pastor of Bethlehem Bible Church, someone I'm very close to. As a matter of fact, I've traveled the world with him. Uh, We've been to Geneva together. We've been to Jerusalem. We've been to Georgia. Jordan, and maybe even other cities that sound like they start with a J, even if they start with a G. <laughs> uh, we've shared the same home address, same phone number, home phone number back when people had those. What's we, that? Sh- we share DNA, <laughs> uh, literally and figuratively speaking. I'm so happy to introduce our guest today, who's had a greater influence in my life than any other man, uh, for good and maybe for bad. <laughs> but our guest today is Mike Abendroth. Hi, Mike, and welcome to the Pactum. Pat and Mike, I'm so glad to be on the show. I think we should just close the show in prayer and go to Jakarta. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. Mike, you're our first real guest. We want you to know that. Uh, We did have another guest, a special guest, Chris Peterson, but since he's on the payroll, he doesn't really count. So we've been saving this uh, for Mr. No Compromise, Mike Apendroth. We're so glad you're joining us. Yep. Well, I'm thrilled to be on. And by the way, I've listened to every show, even the show you didn't recommend, No Compromise Radio Ministry. I listened to that one. Too. <laughs> and speaking of Chris Peterson, I've uh, been telling people about that episode. I think I've even memorized the number, episode 25, because he had so many good insights on counseling 
And so I, I try to tell people this is the kind of stuff that the Pactum puts out with Pat and Mike, and they ought to regularly listen. And so I'm really glad to be not the AI guest, but a real guest. Thanks for having me on. Super. Thank you. Well, Mike, I know that you just got back to Massachusetts to your home there, and you've been spending some time with your family in Santa Cruz, right? Yeah, that's correct. We have a little trailer in Santa Cruz. I'm not supposed to call it that. I'm supposed to call it a modular home. Okay. Okay. Well, since I, <laughs> since I know the theme, the theme in Santa Cruz is keep Santa Cruz weird. I know you're probably able to give us some kind of, tell us about something weird that happened in Santa Cruz, something weird you saw, something weird you did, you ate, uh, put a smile on our face about the weirdness that is Santa Cruz, California. Okay, good. Well, I want to do that with one minor little brother, uh, caveat. Instead of Santa Cruz, I was close by in another city, and I had some Korean corn dogs. What? And they were like uh, double the normal size. You could have Rice Krispies on the outside, the corn meal on the outside. They drizzle some sriracha sauce, and then the kicker was I got the spicy one, and they take the corn dog uh, with the hot dog and the batter, and then they roll it in crunched up flaming Cheetos. Oh. <laughs> uh, Yikes. I, I, I had to go on two bike rides after that. I mean, when was the last time I had a corn dog? The, you know, Minnesota State Fair in 1972. Let's see, that sounds like state fair food right there. That sounds <laughs> fantastic. See, I knew you'd have some kind of good story, so none of this is rehearsed. We're just putting Mike Abendroth on the spot here on the Pactum, so that's a good story. Any other? Do you see any weird people or anything like that? Oh, well, Santa Cruz downtown is, is just so strange. It reminds me when I took Carl Truman to Northampton, Massachusetts, and Northampton is known for Jonathan Edwards and Solomon Stoddard and some of those awakening guys who that, you know, we used to just bow down to and now we think are kind of kooky. But nonetheless, I took, I took uh, Carl there and we went to a Starbucks and there were so many transgendered people and people that were transvestites and kind of different letters of the alphabet that he looked at me, and he had, I think, his dockers on and some kind of polo shirt, and he said, we're the weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> so Santa Cruz is like Northampton in terms of it's just really crazy, although there's an undercurrent of conservative, both religious and both uh, political, and so it's a nice place to ride bicycles, surf, hang out, and so we did a lot of that this summer encouraged by Santa Cruz Baptist Church there trying to help them out some. So it was a, it was an excellent summer with some preaching but a lot of rest. Well Mike, we want to we're thankful that you do actually listen to our podcast and as you said you've you've memorized some of the episodes. We have several listeners. Yes, and you're one of them and I'm sure as you've heard we have a Pactum Responsum episodes that we've done a couple times and we'll do some more of those where some of our listeners send in questions and we've actually received a question for you. And so we wondered if off the bat here we could ask you a Pactum Responsum question. Sure. I, I've failed many times on live radio. We might as well keep the <laughs> ball bouncing. Let's roll with it. So the question is, the, the listener says, I have a question for your brother Mike Abendroth. When and what caused him to stop speaking in tongues? What kind of question is that? <laughs> there must be some inside scoop. We want to hear it here on the podcast. Uh-huh. I know. Uh, did they give a name, a first name at least, or a city? No, they didn't. It was an anonymous email. <laughs> oh, well, those things go in the round file. We just shred those. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, it, here's the story, and I think this is what they're alluding to. I became a Christian 
uh, about the same time that Pat Abendroth did. It was in light of our father, Lee Abendroth's death. He was 55 years old, uh, went healthy, 240, 6'4", kind of a rock of a man, Korean war, war vet. And we grew up Lutheran, and uh, then Dad died, and we were looking for answers, and I looked uh, in the Bible for answers and going back to church. And Pat did, too, at a campus uh, ministry there, University of Nebraska. And so I just needed to have somebody teach me the Bible. And so my pastor began to teach me the Bible in California, and he said Romans 8 is uh, speaking in tongues, groaning. Uh, it's not the spirit groaning, but we're groaning. And so if you don't know how to speak in tongues and speak another language, which gives God's glory and uh, gives uh, other people, I guess, an impression that you're spiritual, just start groaning. And so Kim was at home from work one day. I was in my house in North Hollywood. I had my little dog named Marley after Bob. <laughs> the story's and, getting uh, good. I it's just, getting better. Uh-huh. I just started groaning. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt weird, but hey, the Bible teaches it. At least my pastor said so. And so the dog thought I was sick. So she started to lick my face. So I was laying on the bed, like, you know, prostate, uh, prostrate uh, down and laying there. And she starts licking me. Are you okay? Are you okay, master? And I thought to myself, serious, true story. My dog is inhibiting me from getting God's full blessing. Therefore, Satan somehow oppressing or inhabiting my dog. So dog, I said, dogs, and evil, of, dogs and evil workers. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Marley, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. <laughs> and so, of course, she just heard the tone of my voice and went down to the edge of the bed. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to speak in tongues when I can cast demons out of dogs. So that was the last <laughs> day I ever did. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna have some merch made. It's gonna be uh, make cessationism great again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, we wanted you to be on today, Mike, to talk about teaching and preaching, because we know some of your. I know all of your background, but because of your education, because of opportunities you've had to teach uh, men at seminaries and other countries, doing seminars, uh, things like that, we wanted to get some insight and some help. Uh, for our listeners, whether they're preachers or Bible teachers, we're all trying to get better at the craft. Uh, and so we wanted to hear a bit from you about those things. Maybe we could start by, well, I want to ask you, what would what would young Mike Abendroth um, need to hear from, I won't say old Mike Abendroth because you're not old, but what, what would older Mike Abendroth tell younger Mike Abendroth when it comes to advice? All laughing and joking aside, uh, Pat and Mike, it's it's amazing to me, upon reflection of the last 28 years of weekly Bible study, that the Lord has used me in anyone's life, especially knowing how poorly I did things in the past. And I could blame maybe people or schools or pastors or something like that, but just I'll just take the blame myself. So many things I have done wrongly. And therefore, when I do these preaching seminars at different seminaries, or I just did a preaching tune-up in Sacramento and one in Phoenix, I, when I help younger guys, I recognize them because I was them. I am them, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Right. And specifically what I see, and this sounds odd for Christians who believe all the Bible, um, well, I'll just give you all of them, and we can talk about whatever ones you want. But generally what I see is people don't talk about Jesus enough because they've got their head down in a passage doing 
word studies, verse-by-verse stuff. And so they don't talk about Jesus enough in their sermon. And when you talk about Jesus and you think about his compassionate uh, uh, kindness and forgiving sins, it's good news, right? The Lord Jesus, good news incarnate, they don't smile. And they regularly think, uh, while we don't believe the ecclesiology of a secret church, like these are all unbelievers, we function like pastors who think everybody in the church is an unbeliever. And what I mean by that is, that's that whole T. David Gordon comment in his Why Johnny Can't Preach book. I know you think you're a Christian, but you're not. And by the way, I'm going to show you from the law here in Scripture. So I wish I could go back and preach more Christ with smile and joy and try to encourage the saints not to scold them. That's really it in a nutshell. Nice. Super insightful. Uh, let, let's let's dig in a little bit more on some of those things. Uh, preaching Christ, I know that's controversial, which sounds really crazy when it comes to Christians. Um, but is it because we've, we've preached Christ in a wrong way? I mean, wh- wh- why is it even controversial to say we're going to be Christ-centered in our preaching? Yeah, I, I, I talk to mixed crowds sometimes, and some of them are dispensationalists, some covenantalists some Christotelic, Christocentric, redemptive historical. Uh, We can't talk about Jesus unless somehow he's atomistically, A-T-O-M, in the text. And so I talk to a lot of these different folks, but I try to appeal to them, Pat and Mike, by saying, listen, we are all for Christ for salvation. That is justification, right? You need to understand who Jesus is and what he's done. And you respond with faith and rest and trust. That is knowledge, assent, and trust. That's a saving faith. And so we realize that's true. But then all of a sudden we say, you know what? How does a Christian grow? We all as pastors want maturing congregations and edified congregations so that they might say no to temptation and yes to righteousness and ministry. How does a Christian grow? And the real question is, can you have a church that's being sanctified apart from the work of Christ? Just law, just morals, just just ethics. It was John Calvin that used the Latin words, duplex gratia, a double grace. Christ for salvation and Christ for sanctification. Christ for pardon and Christ for power. Christ for us. Christ in us. And so I think this is really a theological issue, Pat and Mike, that people don't understand that if you want a congregation to be sanctified, God is the sanctifier, so people respond with holy living, it has to be through the proclamation of Jesus and not law only. Law is fine, but it can't be law only. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And and you don't mean um, you need Christ and the gospel for sanctification as in um, just quickly go over, you're a sinner, you need Jesus to die for you and to live for you and to be raised from you. You don't mean just repeating that over and over again in the same kind of prepackaged formula every Sunday, and that's going to lead to sanctification. I I know you don't mean that. That's correct. But what do you mean then? Because I think yeah. some, of well, our, some of our listeners might, might hear you saying that or hear us saying that. So what do you mean? Well, it's interesting, Pat. Sometimes I'll meet folks that I wish would even do that, <laughs> right? They, it's just so law only. I like to tell those people because I watch all their sermons and then we, I critique them in front of the class. And I'm nice about it and everything else. But there's a reason why I live in New England and I'm blunt. Um, 
because I'm trying to help the people. Um, but I, I say, you know what, King James only, fundamentalist Baptist, talk about Jesus more than a lot of you guys do in my class, because at least they'll talk about life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, accession, etc. And so how do we talk about the Lord Jesus? One guy uh, wanted me to critique a sermon, and he said, I'll pay $100 to do it. And I said, how about this? Your next sermon, you talk about Jesus and his person, his work, how he's compassionate, how he heals, how he doesn't break uh, breeze roods, how he forgives sins, how he walks on water. I don't care something about who he is. He's gentle and lowly for 10 minutes in your next sermon, and you don't have to pay me uh, the money. I'll do it for free. And then he sent it back. I mean, it's just this ignorance we have that somehow we believe in verse-by-verse teaching and we forget Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, union with Christ, right, in Him, right. in Him, in Him. And then we get to these commands in chapter 4, and, you know, we give some kind of, like you said, a cursory overview of what happened in 1, 2, and 3. But how do we have any power uh, when it comes to saying no to sin and yes to righteousness? Have we forgotten guilt, grace, gratitude? Why do we even want to obey? And so to answer your question directly, I'm not saying that you just simply slip in death, burial, and resurrection every single week, and that's Christ-centered preaching. I'll take it as a start, but sure. I'm after something much more than that. I was talking about this last Sunday, not being afraid of death. And so I preached through Hebrews chapter 2, and how we are enslaved as unbelievers to the fear of death, because Satan does that. And now since Jesus is the risen Savior, how do we look at life? And that's really the issue for me is, living life in light of a canon that includes a risen Savior and how the Spirit of God has been given to us freely by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so there's lots of ways I can talk about Jesus. And here's my biggest advice for pastors. You, you have aggregate knowledge. You have cumulative knowledge. I don't need to explain to you what redemption is when you read in a commentary. So why don't you give me 20% of your Bible study time, Sunday school teacher, dad at home, preacher, and how to craft a sermon, which means how am I going to talk about Jesus today, not just the same way I do in every other case. And so to answer your question again, I'm not saying just death, burial, and resurrection. I repeat 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, and I'm done with it. But really crafting the sermon in such a way where they get to see the glories of Christ, especially in the Gospels, and they realize that's their Savior, that's their friend, that's their Redeemer, and what an honor it is to... Uh, trust in him and believe in him. And, and therefore, that's really what I'm after. If I can get people to talk about Jesus, I really don't care what their end times are. But if you want to know why I'm no longer dispensationalist, it started with Christ Center preaching because over my dead body, am I going to get up and talk about something in the pulpit that doesn't include the person and work of uh, grace incarnate Jesus Christ? Excellent, Mike. Thank you so much for elaborating in that way. That's super encouraging. As it would relate to the conference coming up, since you're one of the speakers and you're going and it's dealing with the Trinity, dealing with the covenant of redemption, could you talk a little bit about how such things would relate to a Christ-centered kind of preaching, a Christ-centered hermeneutic, let's say if we're in Nehemiah or if we're in Exodus or something like that, how can those books that are pre-incarnation uh, relate to Christ as it would relate to something like the covenant of redemption? 
Well, I think, you know, there's a, a leader in the covenant of redemption, and Nehemiah wants to be a leader, and so since the Father's superior to the Son, Nehemiah wants to be superior to the people. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's heresy! <laughs> For the record, uh, I oh, do not believe you should, our listeners should subordination. Be, yeah, yeah. Our, leader, <laughs> our listeners should be aware that that's error. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, we have the Eternal Father, the Eternal Son, and the Eternal Spirit. And by the way, one of the reasons I can talk about the Lord Jesus uh, when I'm in the Old Testament, because, you know, we, we have to read the Bible from the back to the front, and of course from the front to the back in, in certain ways in terms of, oh, I see how that's unfolding, sure. Cain's not the Messiah, David's not the Messiah, uh, Absalom's not the Messiah. But I have a completed canon, and as I look back and I read Nehemiah, every time I see the word God, Yahweh, uh, Lord, I say to myself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Elohim the Father, Elohim the Son, Elohim the Spirit. Yahweh the Father, Yahweh the Son, Yahweh the Spirit. Because God did not become triune, uh, somehow, when the dove came down upon Jesus at the baptism, we know God is eternal. His essence has never changed. He's immutable. He's of himself. He's simple. All the things that we have learned, uh, even by one of the other guest speakers at the conference, Matthew Barrett. By the way, I, I think you need to switch that around to alphabetical. It should be Avendroth, Barrett, Fesco. Okay, done. So Cons another, consider it done. Yeah. Consider it done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what I do with Nehemiah is I think, you know what, there's a triune God, and how is this plan unfolding? And what, I mean, there's different ways to go about it. When I see sin in Nehemiah, I think, who would eventually be the sin bearer? Well, when I see things like that, it just helps me to get there. And even if, Pat and Mike, at the end of the day, if I can't see a connection in Nehemiah, then I say something like this. Well, I see the building, I see the attacks, I see what's going on. And I'm not saying this passage remind, uh, says something about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, but everything in this passage makes me think about the ultimate building, the ultimate temple, the ultimate temple that would come again. He'd uh, be, it'd be torn down, and he'd raise it back up again. And then we think about the temple in heaven. Doesn't this all remind you? Doesn't this make you want to hope for the real temple, for the real walls? That you know. And so then I can just get there that way. But I'm not going to do ten weeks in Judges are 10 weeks on Nehemiah and never talk about Jesus. At our church, you get one week not to talk about him, and then you're done and you're out, because <laughs> this is a Christian service. Him we proclaim, Colossians 1.28. I saw that on your church's website today. It made me smile. There you go. And, and Horton wrote, Michael Horton, in Crisis Christianity, start with Christ, that is the gospel, and you get sanctification in the bargain. Begin with Christ and move on to something else, you lose both. So I'm just not going to assume what Jesus did and then go do teach Nehemiah. Here's one of the ways I teach uh, preaching classes. Why don't you say when you're in Nehemiah, uh, in light of what we just learned in this passage, please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to see something here with an allusion, or to me a type is something very simple. It just means, as was Johnson said, an example. Look at this example, and as I'm thinking about this in Nehemiah, now that I've read all the Bible, including the book of Revelation, I can see one divine author, and he's saying things uh, the same way to different people. And what he just said here in Nehemiah 8 totally reminds me 
of the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 1 and preaching. And I'll just have them go right to Mark chapter 1. Now we see who Jesus is. I'm not trying to say Jesus is under every verse uh, in the Old Testament, uh, but if I can't see him in that verse, I better back up a little bit with my telescope until I can see him or can talk about him in the sermon. That's a great so analogy. So if he's not the yeah. text, atomistically, I'll find him in my sermon by just talking about him. Doesn't that remind you of Psalm 32? May or may not be messianic in different people's uh, backgrounds, uh, dispensationalist or covenantalist. But all I have to do is say, when Psalm 32, David said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord doesn't impute or account or reckon iniquity. Aren't you thankful for the Lord Jesus? Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to slay Satan's sin in the grave? Here we see in Romans chapter 4, and I begin to read those things about Jesus and how God saves the ungodly people. And I just begin to rehearse the truth about Jesus. We need that every week because we wake up in the morning, our conscience is law only. Work is law only. Society is law only. And law does not come from our hearts. Uh, excuse me, the gospel does not come from our hearts or from nature. It only comes from a proclaimer. And that's why on Sundays we have ordinary means of preaching the gospel and sacraments, which all proclaim the risen Savior. Excellent. I like the analogy you used yeah. of the telescope and, and stepping back. I appreciate the fact that you mentioned the one divine author, uh, which all Christians believe. Sometimes we just don't think like that when we're studying and when we're teaching. So that's super helpful. Uh, encourages me even as a pastor. So thank you for doing that. Mike, you mentioned S. Lewis Johnson. Uh, th- are you working on any S. Lewis Johnson projects? I know you have in the past. You have the Romans commentary. Uh, are you up to some of that? Well, I really enjoyed S. Lewis Johnson over the years, and therefore I wanted to just have the people in my local church here, not that I own the church, but the church that I attend, small m. And so that's why I did the Romans work. I'm almost done with Colossians. It's going to be called Discovering Colossians, so in line with Discovering Romans. It's some dated material, probably from the 60s, from uh, a bib sack. It's a journal article from Dallas Seminary, and I added a few things. Zondervan doesn't want it because the first one didn't really sell, but they didn't really push it. And so it should be out sometime, probably on Create Space, which is Amazon's platform, and Kindle. Uh, the wonderful thing about real Bible teaching, it can be from 1960, and I think this was his studies from 1960. So what is that? 40, 50, 60 years old and still be edifying and Christ-centered because it's truth, right? He might have a, a Dallas Cowboys illusion or illustration here once or twice, but beside that, faithfully teaching. And that reminds me, Pat, for when you and I would go to India, for example, we didn't change our sermons when we went to India. I mean, maybe we said cricket instead of football. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, we just talked about here's who Jesus is, this is what the text says and means, and encourage people to trust in him, and uh, if there's a command to obey by the strength of the Lord. So hopefully Colossians, discovering Colossians, will be finished. And uh, after that, I don't know if I'll do any more work on it. I'm working on a book now on law gospel. Uh, working on another book on hell, and uh, that's about all I've got in my reservoir these days. Oh, good. So if our listeners are not familiar with S. Lewis Johnson, I know a lot of them are. Um, 
just faithful Bible teacher, verse by verse, was very dispensational uh, at the beginning and not so much at the end. I think he's kind of a gateway drug for covenant theology, mm-hmm. to be honest, uh, because he would have affirmed uh, covenant theology at least later in his life. So I'm definitely a fan. I've learned a ton. And I'm thankful, and I like to I like to secretly introduce S. Lewis, Samuel Lewis Johnson, uh, to dispensationalists, so that they can get. Well, Pat, we're we're the exact same. So I use both, and I, we shouldn't probably be telling people secrets, but right, right, I use right. both S. Lewis Johnson and Jerry Bridges uh, to give to my friends that are unaware of law gospel, unaware of third use of the law, unaware of covenant of redemption all that kind of stuff, because they think, rightfully so, Johnson and Bridges can be trusted. Right. Therefore, right. when I give them that kind of stuff, their guard is down. I mean, if I give them Coxeus or Olivianus or somebody like that, they might not take it. But they always love Jerry Bridges. Matter of fact, did you know this, Pat? Jerry Bridges, later in his life, he said, the only regret I had uh, when it comes to my writing ministry was in my two pursuit books, Pursuit of Godliness and Pursuit of Holiness. I wish I would have talked about Jesus more in those two books. Hmm. That's outstanding. I yeah. think in in one of his later books, he actually talks about that in the intro. Something, I can't remember, it has gospel in the name, maybe, hmm. gospel for everyday life or something. So I uh, I had a pastor that, I, I knew a pastor who studied under S. Lewis Johnson at DTS a long time ago, and he said something along the lines of, they, they asked Dr. Johnson, uh, if they could use the Ryrie study Bible, it was only the new Testament, I think at that point in time. So the, can we use the Ryrie study Bible on our final? Uh, and he said something like, I, I do believe the Ryrie study Bible would only confuse you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, the other thing going circling back, Pat, to what you asked me earlier about what would I tell my younger day self? I would say, Mike, uh, by the way, there is history. Uh, in the Christian faith, and we can learn from people that have come before us. And don't say, I don't believe in creeds and confessions and hold the Ryrie Study Bible or any other celebrity study Bible. When we're all looking for people to help us understand the text, there are creeds and confessions, and we can use those uh, to our great benefit. And I just love reading the Belgic and the Heidelberg, uh, Dort, Westminster Standard, 1689, those things are so rich and devotional. When I'm doing my preaching classes, I usually read Belgic 38 to people on end times judgment and how Jesus will confess our names before the Father. It'll be this joy like no other joy. I mean, it's just so good. So when you said study Bibles, I always think of study Bibles that need to be uh, pointing us to uh, some good creeds and confessions as well. Uh, in typical NOCO style, I have the Nicene Creed posted above one urinal in the men's bathroom at Bethlehem Bible Church, <laughs> and the Athanasius Creed posted above the other urinal. And I was told by one man that the Athanasius Creed's long enough, it should probably be in a stall and not above the urinal. <laughs> now, I think we're going to lose our clean status on iTunes <laughs> because you, you brought up these things. <laughs> 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 But anyway, go read the Athanasius Creed, and and you would say Athanasian Creed, and you go, oh, of course the Eternal Son is not subordinate to the Father. Uh, You know, of course that's not true. Any kind of subordination better be relegated to incarnational talk, but not essence talk, that's for certain. So that's one of the benefits of those. Uh, That's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, and in that Uh, case, it was the, the the, the Biblicist was the heretic, so... 
Yeah. Athanasius actually used extra biblical categories and terms to actually understand the Bible. So I like that as well. A this is it would take a long time to kind of explain, but here's and to your point Athanasius fighting Arius about the eternal sonship of Jesus and, you know, the deity of Christ and the Trinity go hand in hand when we're arguing for those. And Arius is basically saying, and I know I'm, I'm putting this down maybe just to, to the levels that are too basic, but Arius is saying, look, Proverbs 8 says this. And Athanasius is saying, yeah, I know Proverbs 8 says that. But we have to read it in a certain kind of way in light of the rest of Scripture, in light of what we've been taught theologically. And so it's not just as simple as, oh, here's a Bible verse, because everybody has Bible verses. I mean, heretics love Bible verses. Yep, exactly. And, and therefore, we have to be careful. Of course, we never want to denigrate the Bible. Uh, but there's a tradition that flows from the Bible, and it's called confessions and creeds. There's a tradition that doesn't flow out of the Bible. It's called purgatory and the mass. <laughs> uh, but there's a traditionalist tradition, as it were, and that means it's, me and my Bible, not sola scriptura, scriptura, but solo. And that's what uh, I think Van Hooser called tradition zero. And we don't want to do that. We want to build upon the fathers. They're not always right, but the Spirit of God, he has been working uh, the last 2,000 years and more as we begin to realize, oh, uh, this is what the text means. And I'd like to read this Bible in light of the church. Um, so, and I know you teach this, you guys, on the show all the time, so I'm just here to say it again. Awesome. Fantastic. Mike, we're really looking forward to having you here talking about these things in further detail on October 8th and 9th for our Our Triune God Conference. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being on today. Uh, if you want to have more resources from Mike Abendroth, you could go to nocompromiseradio.com. You could go to bbcchurch.org for Bethlehem Bible Church's website. Uh, you could also, if you want to reach out to Mike and get in touch with him, uh, you can go to info at nocompromiseradio.com. Thank you so much for being on. It yeah. has been a blast. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Well, the time went by fast. Let me say one thing to commend Pastor Pat here on the show. Uh, the other thing I tell myself was, don't preach so slowly through books. You know, you don't need to have 900 sermons when you're preaching through Ezekiel. Uh, take shorter sections. And one of the things, Pat, I've appreciated about your ministry is while you get into the text uh, and dive down deeply to understand what it is, you don't do the Mike Abendroth style of 10, 15 years ago and just preach way too many sermons that all turn into systematic theology. So I appreciate you, and uh, I know how much Mike has been an encouragement to you on staff and Chris Peterson and Todd and the rest of the guys, and so I can't wait to come to Omaha. I can't wait to go to La Casa Pizza, drive past uh, Runza's. I don't know if I want to eat one, but I want to drive past one. But I am kind of afraid, as I talk about the Trinity, I don't want to make any mistakes in front of Matthew Barrett or J.V. Fesco. So I might actually work up my sermons, send them to those guys to make sure I'm not saying anything wrong because it's easy to say error about the Trinity. So thanks uh, for we, we've got, we've got dirt on them. So I know John likes Runza, but I'm not so sure about Matthew. So yeah. I, I've, I made them at gunpoint try it, try Runza's, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, you know what? Let's find Korean corn dogs and take those guys go. and don't give them napkins and bibs. We'll, we'll have a riot. We'll have a riot. Awesome. We want to thank you, Mike, again for joining us. We want to thank all of you for listening to The Pactum. Uh, don't forget you can be in touch with us and stay connected on Twitter at The Pactum. You can also find us on Instagram at The P Pactum Theology. You can also email us at connect at 
thepactum.org. Thanks again for joining us, Mike. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on The Pactum.